Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 10. What we hear now is God's word. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, tonight we come to the end of our study of this letter of Paul to the Philippian church. And it is no surprise that Paul ends this letter on the theme of rejoicing. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. We have seen that that has been a theme which has woven its way throughout this book. The theme of joy and rejoicing. Joy for belonging to the church of God. Joy because they were united as a church of God. We saw that throughout this letter, Paul has given them commendations, and he has given them exhortations. In chapters 1 and 2, he, he commended them and also exhorted them toward unity in the faith. In chapters 3 and 4, his commendation and exhortation toward joyful living, knowing who God is and what he, he has done for them, how they now live out of the joy of knowing their God. And now, as this letter draws to a close, uh, Paul is going to take up one last topic under that theme of rejoicing. And that theme and, and, and topic are the joy that they have in giving to the Lord. He is going to commend them for their giving and also exhort them in their giving as he has done commendation and exhortation throughout this letter. It's a letter appropriate for the Philippian church, a letter appropriate for us as well, that we reflect upon, upon the giving that we do and how we live out our life in our financial life before the face of the Lord. 
Paul says in verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need. Paul's going to talk about the giving of the church, but he wants them to know uh, this is not personal. Uh, I am not asking for anything. Uh, I am fully taken care of. Not that I have any need, he says. He says at the end of verse 11, for I have learned in whatever situation that I am to be content. The end of verse 12, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul has learned to be content. It is something he learned. Contentment is not our natural state. In fact, so often we tend toward discontent. No matter what God has given us, no matter what we have, we often want more. And Paul says, I have learned, I have learned to be content. Contentment is something that we have to learn. It is something our children have to learn. Just like we teach our children to read God's Word, just like we teach our children to pray, we teach them to sing the songs of Zion, we have to teach our children to be content with what God has provided for them. Paul says, I have learned that in whatever situation I am, to be content. Verse 12, I know how to be brought low, I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul says, I have learned this contentment regardless of the situation I find myself in. My contentment, Paul says, is not based on how much I have. If God blesses me and I abound, I will be content. If God gives me little and he abases me, I will be content. His contentment is regardless of the situation he finds himself in in life. Contentment's opposite is greed. And that is also regardless of the situation we find ourselves in. If God gives us little, we'll be greedy and want more. If God gives us a lot, we are still greedy and want more. Greed always wants more than it has. Contentment is always content with what God has given. They are opposites. Greed focuses on what I do not have. Contentment focuses on what I do have. Greed is always greedy. 
If God gives me a job and I'm making $15 or $18 an hour, I want a job that pays $20 or $22 an hour. If God allows me to save $100 or $200 in my savings account, I want $500 or $600 in my savings account. Greed always wants more, regardless of what we have. Contentment is content regardless of what we have. Because I recognize, Paul says, I have learned, no matter what the circumstance, God has placed me here. God is the one who's in control, like we talked about this morning in our sermon. God is in control at all times. When we are in the palace, when we are in the prison, we live under the sovereign care of God. And so Paul says, I have learned that whether I have a lot, whether I have a little, whether I abound or whether I am brought low, to be content with the providence of God. And so he says in verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now I have heard this verse uh, rested out of its context and meant to say things Paul never intended it to say. What Paul is saying here is that even this difficult thing to learn, even this difficult lesson of contentment, and it is difficult, even that lesson can be learned when we focus our attention on God. I can do all things, even learn this difficult lesson from Him who strengthens me. Paul has learned in whatever situation to be content, and in that he can rejoice. And he rejoices with this church because they are expressing their concern for the apostle. Verse 10 once again, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You indeed were concerned for me, but had no opportunity. We talked about the history of Paul and this church a number of weeks, months ago, when we began this series. You remember that Paul began the church in Philippi. He brought them the gospel. And they loved this man for bringing them the words of life. He then left Philippi and went to Thessalonica. And they kept providing for him. Even after he had left. Verse 16, even in Thessalonica... You sent me help for my needs once and again. They continued to provide for the apostle. After leaving Thessalonica, Paul will go to Berea, and they will somewhat lose track of him. And then he goes down to Athens, and once again they connect with him. Verse 14, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, the area of Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea, when I left there, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. They now connected with Paul and continued to support him. Paul would go to Corinth, and, and the Corinthians 
were trying to discredit the Apostle Paul. And what they were saying were a number of things. One of the things they said about Paul was, Paul, you are only in this for the money. You're an apostle because you get money for doing that. And Paul's response, part of his response was, that is not the case because the Philippians are supporting me, you're not. Paul answers the objection and the Philippians are the ones who are supplying his needs even in Corinth. And now Paul is at Rome. And he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. You were indeed concerned but had no opportunity and now they have had opportunity. What was that opportunity, kids? What did they do for the Apostle Paul? Remember back in chapter 2, a man named Epaphroditus. A man named Epaphroditus brought Paul a gift. Verse 18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent. This was the character of the Philippian church. Concerned about the ministry of the word. Concerned about the apostle Paul. They were givers. That was who they were. And really, really, generous giving is the corollary of contentment. It is the natural consequence of, of being content with what God has provided. Then I say, well, now I can give away abundantly, freely. Because whether I have a little or whether I have a lot, I will be content with God's, God's decisions for my life. And so he says, I, am, I rejoice. I rejoice with you for who you are. Again, not that I seek the gift, verse 17, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. He wants them to rejoice as well. To rejoice in the joy of giving for the ministry of the word. Because giving has multiple blessings. Giving is a blessing for the recipient of the gift. And that's what he says about Epaphroditus. You brought me this gift and I have everything I need. Paul received the blessing because the Philippians were givers. So he received the blessing and, and the giver receives a certain blessing. There is a great joy in meeting someone else's need, in, 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 in filling up what they are lacking. And there's a great, a great joy and, and blessing in giving to provide for someone else. The recipient is blessed, the giver is blessed, and ultimately, God, too, is blessed because we are living the way he calls us to live. How does Paul describe this gift from Epaphroditus? Again, from verse 18, I received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Ultimately, their giving was because of their relationship with God. 
Paul has been calling them in chapters 3 and 4 to holy living. He's been encouraging them, commending them to live out of their faith. And that includes their giving life. Paul recognizes that it is a blessing to him, it's a blessing to them, and ultimately God gets the glory when they are a church of givers. What is our giving like? Where is our heart? Do we rejoice in the privilege that we have of supporting the the local church, supporting the ministry of the word, supporting churches elsewhere as well? Or or when it comes to uh, writing the check or taking the cash out of our wallet, do we do so grudgingly? Not wanting to be generous in our giving. You know the answer to that question. And God knows the answer to that question. And so we, we, we hear from the apostle tonight encouragement encouragement to be those who are characterized as givers because it will be a blessing to those who receive and a blessing to them as well and bring glory to God. Encouragement, but also the challenge. The challenge to continue to to provide for the ministry of the word like Paul did, to provide for that joyfully, with joy. That's the theme that runs through the book. That our giving is characterized not by grudgery, but with a delight to do what God calls us to do. And then Paul says in verse 19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Paul wants to remind them that ultimately God is the one who will bless them and take care of them and provide for him. My God will supply every need of yours. And they would believe that because God had provided their deepest need. Their deepest need was not their finances, was not food, was not clothing. God had sent them the Apostle Paul. And in Paul the preaching of the gospel. God had taken them from from living in the darkness of Philippi to living in the light of the church at Philippi. God had given them the glories of Christ. Their deepest need had been provided the forgiveness of their sins. And God continues to do that today. He continues to meet our deepest need, our most important need, the need to be right with Him, the need to desire to bring Him glory because of what He has done. And so God calls out once again to us tonight to put our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ who will meet the deepest needs of our life. And and knowing that, we will then be able to learn that contentment. Without Christ, we will never be content. We will always want more. But with Christ, we begin to learn. We begin to learn that God 
is able and does provide for all of our needs. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He will provide according to his riches, not according to what we think we need. Because, of course, God knows better than we do what we need. And sometimes, sometimes our need is to be reminded that God is the one who is in control. It is so easy for us to put our faith in what we have, to put our faith in what we can hold on to. And sometimes God provides for our need not by giving us more, but by giving us less. That we once again be reminded that only in Him do we find our assurance. Only in Him do we find our security. We know how quickly uh, the economy can change and our financial condition can change with the ups and downs of the stock market. But our God, our God is always faithful. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus, whether that is giving us more or whether that is giving us less. And Paul concludes, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever, and he finishes the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Paul began with God's grace and he ends with God's grace. That God's grace would be evident in their lives. Evident in the joy that they have in the Lord. Evident in the way that they live out that joy in their, in their everyday life. And evident in the giving that they do that they would recognize God's provision, that whether they have a lot or a little, God is the one who's in control and will provide for their needs, that they might live out the glorious grace of God in their lives. Paul's final words to Corinth, also his final words to us, to our God and Father be glory and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. May God's grace rest upon us that we can learn Learn the secret of being content. Learn to trust our God more and more. Learn that the God who provide for our greatest need can certainly provide for our physical needs. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you for this letter of the Apostle Paul. We thank you for the weeks that we could study it together. Lord God, may these truths live with us uh, beyond just this last few months of study. May we truly rejoice in you, our God. May we rejoice in the blessings you give to us day after day, in your provision for us, uh, not just in this life, but in the life to come. You have provided eternal life for us, your children. May we rejoice in that. And knowing that, may we continue to learn the secret of contentment being content with whatever you provide for us in this life. 
Will you continue to draw us together, O God, that we might be a church unified in our joy and our devotion to you. And in all of this, we pray that you would receive the glory. To you, our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen.